in a series called Scammed, and what we've been talking about is the idea that we have been sold a bill of goods, we get scammed, we're susceptible to scams, and that we can also scam ourselves. And so we talk about exposing the lies that we are told and the lies that we tell ourselves. And so I'll just give you a few. They're not lies, but they're just things that I was told as they unfolded, and you know, we'll just wait to see if what happens. So when the speed limit in California went to 55 to 65, I was told that there's going to be like tons more deaths and the death rate on the freeway actually went down. Um, I was told that if we, if we say you have to have airbags in cars, then um, no one could afford a car. Okay, that didn't quite turn out. I was told that um, it would be a good idea to get a bullet train from the middle of nowhere in California to San Francisco, and that would be good. And I was told that if we installed Obamacare, we'd go bankrupt. So I've just been told a lot of things. Um, you might call it either side or whatever. Um, but I've also been told some really cool stuff. Like I got an email and it said that um, a Nigerian prince had $70 million and he needed to park it in America for just two days and if it was my bank account, I would get $7 million, a 10%, well, you know, you know, kind of a 10% gift, I guess, for offering my services. Uh, I was also told, and I'll tell this story next, or not next week, but the week after, um, that the IRS was cutting off all of my social security. The problem is they called themselves the internal revenue services. Um, and it's just one service, just so you know, it's a pro tip. And so we get to told all these different things, and maybe you can relate, but the biggest scam that I've ever been told, the biggest lie, the biggest falsehood is a, is a scam that I actually tell myself, and I'm really good at it. Like, I, I try to maneuver my way in all sorts of different ways to tell myself this scam in all sorts of different ways, because I'm on to myself, right? So I have to be even more crafty as time goes on. So I'm going to tell you what that scam is in just a little bit. But before I do that, I wanted to introduce you to a bird. It'll all come around. I'm a professional. Here we go. The pin-tailed whiter bird. Now, this is a male. And what happens with the pin-tailed whiter bird is when it comes to mating season, which I don't want to get too far into what that means, but when two birds really love each other, um, it's the pin-tailed whiter. So when it comes to mating season, um, he gets this long, his tail grows. Like he doesn't normally look like this. He, he like goes to the salon. I don't know how he does it, but he gets this really long tail and he looks amazing. And then what he does is he goes to the female and he does this dance in air, like a helicopter. And he like, like does crazy stuff. I couldn't show you the video because it was too long and uh, wasn't fit because we just had the kids thing. Um, and so he does this thing and like a dance in the air. And I thought that was interesting because this is how I met Lisa. Um, and this is exactly how she responded. Like, dude, can you get a hold of yourself? Like, this isn't going to work. And so what happens is he does this dance. He does this dance. And um, uh, they mate. 
And then this is the where it gets interesting and where it's going to come around. She lays her eggs in another bird's nest, right? It's called a brood parasite bird. And so she lays her eggs in their nest, and she doesn't like sit from afar and, and think, oh, man, let's see how it all works out. No, she just lays the eggs, gone. Gets some more eggs, lays the eggs in another nest, gone. And what happens is the hosting bird might lay two or three eggs, and she might drop another two or four in there, and so this bird doesn't understand what's going on, doesn't know what's going on, and has to feed all these birds. And she's not designed to feed all these birds. And so what happens is, over time, the, some of the birds die just because the female can't keep up with feeding all these birds. And so maybe two will die. And um, maybe... Uh, you know, one will die or whatever. But statistically, over time, that species of bird that they lay these eggs in that look a lot like the egg of the host, um, that species begins to die out because you have this parasite bird. What I want to tell you is the lie that I've told myself for many, most of my life, and I'm getting better at this. I'm getting better at scamming myself, but I'm getting better at seeing the scam. Is this brood parasite? You need to be in control. You need to be in control. See what happens for me is I have these birds I'm responsible for, these eggs I'm responsible for, these. These things that, listen, this is the key word, that God wants me to steward. Things that God has given me that he wants me to steward. And then this white bird concept comes in and says, no, 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 no. There's three more things you need to steward. There's four more things you need to steward. And now my nest has seven things and I can't do it all, and all of a sudden, the things that God had given me to steward end, uh, end up dying off. So, before we get started in the scripture, I just wanted to say this thing. I've said it many, many times, because this sermon is really about my inability to get this done. You are not, never have been, and never will be in control. You weren't designed to be in control. You were designed to steward the resources that God has given you. You were designed to steward the body he's given you, the finances he's given you, the relationships he's given you. That's what you were designed for. You were designed to be a steward, not a controller, not a lord, not a king. That's what you were designed for. And when we end up taking these why do bird scams into our nest or into the circle of influence that we have, we end up killing off the things that are most important. We end, off, end up killing off the things. So, for example, your finances. And I'll just, I'll just take a little minute to um, describe what I mean by control. Con 
what I'm talking about is you can control some things in your life. You can control how much you eat, but this, this is all, all self-control, and we'll get to that at the very end. But you can't control the outcome. And so when things start falling off the rails, our tendency is to grab more fake eggs and go, if I can just feed that and that and that, the outcome will turn out fine. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And here's one of the things I wanted us to see before we get started on all of it. You might sit back and say, yeah, you know what, John? My need to be in control, that comes from sin. That's because, you know, if we, if we didn't have sin, then I wouldn't feel the need to be in control. If we didn't have sin, I wouldn't want to control anything. I just want to, I'd want to be in the garden and just be with God. Well, the scripture we're going into uh, starts before sin, okay? Because God has created us with the ability to choose. And that's great. But we've been hardwired, hardwired to be creators. Because we've been created in the image of our Heavenly Father. And our Heavenly Father is a creator. And if you're a creator, you have to have the ability to choose as we saw with the worship team, choose the right chord, choose the right time signature, choose the right chord progression, choose the right way you're going to phrase those chords, choose how, which part of the cajon you hit when you hit it. Like that's what creators do and you have to choose how you create your family structure and all those different things. That's how we were created. We are hardwired. And here's what happens when you're hardwired to be a creator. The Lord God took the man, he had just created man, and put him in the Garden of Eden. Now listen, this is so crucial to understand. To work it. Not to lie around and eat grapes and be naked, okay? That isn't what fulfills us. Stewardship is what we were created for. To work it and take care of it. And so there's some part of we have to be able to do what we were created to do. And if you're, a, if you're a forklift driver, then you're created to work at that. Be a good forklift driver. If, you're, if, you work, um, in, in a, if you're a banker, if you're a lawyer, if you're a checkout clerk, none of those things. The, the, those, a lawyer doesn't go higher than checkout clerk. It's just we were designed to work what God has given us to steward. And to take care of it. That's what we were designed to do. So God puts man, at this point, just man being a, a man, and puts him in the garden and says, I've created this stuff for you. Take care of it. That's what I want you to do. One of the things, though, I just want to say as a person who loves to control, he was given the task of naming all the animals. I would have totally overthought that. I would have been like, what if I call an animal something, and then a hundred years later, that word, like, is really, it's like a bad word. Like, what if I name them something, and it turns out to be bad? That is the sign that you're being scammed. What does God ask you to do now? Do it. Don't worry about the outcome. So, here's what the Lord says to Adam. The Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, 
but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Super simple. Very simple instructions. And I know for some of you, when you get to Genesis, uh, maybe for those of you who are new to the Bible or new to Christianity or you're coming back, and it's like this whole idea of Genesis and creation and how long did it take and all that, I totally get that. And so in our church community at Living Spring, we have people who believe that the the seven-day creation is a literal seven days. And I could easily get to heaven and God go, yeah, I wrote it down. It was seven days. I'm cool with that. And there are some that believe it took much, much, much longer than that. I'm fine with that as well. And so we can't get caught up in the semantics of how long did it take or whatever. The thing that we understand from the book of Genesis is this. That a loving heavenly father created us in his image to have relationship with him. That's the point of Genesis. How we work it all out is our thing. So something really clear. When I created man, and we'll see in just a few verses, woman, I created them to have a choice. There had to be some choice. You say, John, couldn't he have created us to just be beautiful and not, you know, and just kind of, he did. They're called trees and they're beautiful and they don't make a choice. They just grow and they look awesome. But God chose something different for us. We have to own that. So he says, it says this, God's looking at Adam and he says, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. Now this is huge. Um, And he says, I will make a helper for him. It's huge because oftentimes in our lives, I'm going to just talk about me. Um, oftentimes in my life, what, one of the things, when a wider bird, I need to be in control, lays a couple legs, it's that I don't believe that he saw my need. See, God said, Adam didn't say. Adam wasn't like, dude, Help, can you help a brother out? I'm just like sitting here on my own. God said that. And oftentimes in my own life where I get caught in my own scam is when I drop a wider bird in there and I say, he doesn't see that you need this. You better go after it. You better do this on your own. You need more money. You need more power. You need to get this done. He's, he doesn't see. It's a scam. He does see, even from the very, very beginning, it was God that saw that it was not good for man to be alone, not man. Now, I don't know how long that took. Maybe Adam was thinking in the back of his mind, like, I'm kind of lonely. Maybe that took two years. I don't know. I know in my own life, I've gone through things where I thought God hadn't seen, and it took a long time. And he began, you know, but he had already seen. And so God makes a helper for him. And it's kind of a cool story. He like unzips Adam, takes out a rib. I don't know if he like threw it and it came up or like if he, I don't know what he did. But but the story is that he took one of Adam's ribs and he made Eve, okay? Um, Just a quick thing. Don't want to go too long on the sermon, but I had a Sunday school teacher one time. I'll never forget this. And they said, And that's why men have one less rib than women. 
And that, that like proves that the Bible's right. And I'm like, oh, that is a money argument. I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna file that away. Money argument, done. But, oh, you got a problem with the Bible? Guess what? Check your ribs, brother, right? Um, it turns out that that's actually not the case, okay? Um, I was able to get through it, challenge of my faith when I was 12 or 13. I don't know what it was, but uh, be careful when you teach the Bible, okay? Do your, it's called Wikipedia, look it up. It'll be, you'll, be, you'll be a much better Bible teacher, let me tell you that. Okay, so I'll make a suit. So I don't know how he did it, but I think, I think the logic of it is sameness in that our DNA and our humanness is the same. We, we're obviously different. There's no doubt about that. Um, but but I, think, I think the idea was that we're, we, we, we're both created in God's image. So you can argue that amongst yourselves. But he says, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united with his wife and they become one flesh. There's this idea of partnership. Okay, It's embedded in the Bible. But then he goes on and he says this, Adam and Eve were both naked and they felt no shame. Which is, which again, I don't want to get too into it and, you know, the kids can leave the room. But, you know, most of the times a wife and a husband, that's common, okay? But it's this word that I'm interested in. Because shame comes from comparison. It comes from observation of what is good, better, best, and if I don't measure up, then I feel shame. There was none of that there. Here's my point as we get into this next section. Adam and Eve had it all. There's no comparison. Nobody was tweeting to Adam, like, well, how come you can't, you know, ha-ha, you lost a rib. You know, like, no one was tweeting to Adam or Eve. They weren't sinning. There was no way to, there was no lie. There was nothing. They had it all, all. They had a retirement plan already set up. They were going to have kids. They wouldn't have to worry about their kids for those of you who are parents and for those of you who are single or, you know, or, or just you don't have kids, I'm sorry about this. It just comes from my experience. You just worry about your kids. Maybe, maybe you don't have kids. You worry about your parents. You worry about your re- deepest relationships. You worry about those things. There was none of that. There was no worrying about finances. There was no worry about where's food going to come, shelter's going to come. What? Like there was none of that. There was no worry about am I right with God? They were right with God. There was no worry about health. The other day, I was sitting in my car, and like my heart, again, I need to be in control, but my heart, like instead of like doing a normal thing, it just went like, dung, dung, and then it like got ready, regular. And I'm like, I'm having a heart attack. It's over. Like, I'm, I'm done. They didn't have to worry about that. They didn't have to worry about health care. They didn't have to worry about poverty. They didn't have to worry about all the things that, the, that the, those that are marginalized in our country have to worry about. Nothing. They were all set. And so you'd think, if you were all set, you wouldn't have to worry about being in control. Okay. Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. Now again... I know for some of you reading Genesis and you're like, there was a snake, whatever. 
And he said to the woman, and this is just a free thing, whether you believe in this as literal or not. If you approach a snake and it begins to talk, don't engage, okay? Don't ask how the snake decided to talk or, or you, do you have Rosetta Stone? Like, don't engage with the talking snake. She does. He said to the woman, did God, is this being recorded? Oh, man, okay. <laughs> is this live right now? God. You must not eat from any, did, did he really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Of course he didn't say that. It was really every tree in the garden except one. But this is how our scams work, and this is how we scam ourselves. Hmm. Did I really need to whatever? Do, is God really gonna? Because I, I have my nest, and I got these little birds I'm feeding, and I just need, I think, I think we should just take one little thing. Why a bird egg gets landed? And now I got something else I got to feed. Did God really say that? You must not eat from the garden. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the trees of the garden. But God did say, you must not eat from the fruit of the tree that's in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. I've scammed myself a lot of times. And I would have said, Got you. <laughs> Got you. Because he didn't say you must not touch it. As a matter of fact, I take God literally. And if the tree uh, in the middle is literal, um, I think they could have touched it. I think they could have climbed all over it. I think they could have built a tree house in it. Like it wasn't the tree. It was, it was the act of eating the fruit to gain the knowledge of good and evil. In other words, it was to act in such a way that you needed to obtain something that God hadn't obtained for you. So you're going to take steps in your life to get something that God, by design, had refrained you from getting. They're called boundaries, and they're all through the Bible. So, just as an aside, because I just think this is funny, and I'm sorry, I know I read too much into the Bible. But God never talked to Eve about the tree. God talked to Adam about the tree. And so, Eve only got her information from Adam. And so, I can just picture Adam, and this may be offensive, but Eve's probably smart, and so Adam's like, hey, Eve shows up. She's like, oh my goodness, this is beautiful. Oh, wow. I just, oh, I just popped into existence. Like, can you tell me about this place? Oh, yeah, it's beautiful. God comes in the cool of the day, and it's just really neat. And, um, and she's like, whoa, what are all these trees? Oh, you can eat everything, but, but don't eat from that tree, the one in the middle. And she's like, don't eat from it. Like, can I, t don't even touch it. <laughs> like, like she, that, like, don't just, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Just don't even touch it. So then she's like, oh, okay. God must have said, don't even touch it. Well, that's, this is what Satan goes on. You will not certainly die, said the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. God is holding out on you. He stopped you from doing something clearly whether by spoken word or in his word or by the Holy Spirit talking to you. And the thought is, he 
is holding out. There is something that I can control that will make my life better. And it's just a white bird egg that I now have to feed. And when I feed that egg, when I feed that little bird that hatches, the things that are truly important, the things that he had truly given me to steward, begin to die when I take control. It's a scam. It's a scam. Now I'm going <laughs> to, I changed this verse. This is, uh, I changed uh, four words, uh, or three words of this next verse. I just changed them. I know that's not, I know that's frowned upon, changing the Bible, but it helped my sermon, so I'm just going to do it. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, she also des also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took control of her life. She said, you know what? I know what God said. I've got all these things to steward. A garden. A healthy relationship with my partner. Like, like meeting with God. I've got a relationship with God that probably no one will ever have for the rest of eternity to actually walk with him physically in the garden. I have all these things. All these things that I was, that I was created to steward, not created to control. I plant the seeds. God waters the seeds. Things grow. I harvest them. Like, I can steward these things. And she says, no, 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 no. I want to gain wisdom. There's something else out there that he's hiding from me, that he's keeping from me, and I'm going to take control of my life. Now, before I, get, I become a heretic, I'll give you the real verse. Also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. Here's what I think happened. Again, it could be completely incorrect. I think she touched the tree. I think she, she touched it. Like maybe with her finger, just like, dude. No, I didn't die. My thumb didn't fall off. Well, the tree's not as scary as I thought or how I was taught or... I can get closer and closer and closer. I think the scariest moment for her was when she touched the fruit. I, listen, I don't know about her. I'm just talking about me, okay? I'm just talking about me. When I, when I get that white bird and it begins to crack its egg and I'm like, man, I thought I only had three things I had to steward. Now I have six. And I'm like, oh boy, which one am I going to feed first? I think when she touched it, she was doomed because she didn't die, because she didn't know what, exactly what God had told her. And she's like, this is, I haven't died yet. Maybe another like, thing was like she pulled it off. Huh, nothing. But the whole thing that God was telling them, don't, Eat it. Don't consume it. It's a scam. 
Don't just keep consuming things thinking that you're going to be able to be in control. That is a scam. And I'm telling you from, from example, we're good at scamming ourselves. I'm not even going to talk about what we're consuming as far as news or this or that. I just have to be able to see the scam in my own life. So here we go. The only thing you have control over is your ability to obey God. The Bible calls it self-control. I can raise my kids, put them in ballet, club soccer, you know, get them tutors, get them, you know, whatever. Great, I've done my job. I can't control the decisions they make later. It's out of my control. And when they leave the nest, it's often tempting to go, I, I'm going to keep controlling. It's a, it's a wider bird. You're going you're to end up killing off the things that matter most. So I'll give you an example. Um, so about five years ago, our son became a... Um, candidate for uh, brain surgery for his epilepsy and we had this nest of eggs of our three children and our careers and all those things and throughout the time when um, we were going through just the real difficulty of managing his epilepsy we were being stewards we made sure we went to every appointment, we made sure that his meds, if he was allergic to a med, we changed it. We were very good stewards. And, um, and then we, well, I mean, Lisa was a good steward. I just spent most of my time worrying. But, uh, and then, and so then, and then we, we got second opinions, all this stuff. And so this, uh, this thing came up where he uh, was able to have brain surgery, and we had done some research on who the doctor was, and it was UCLA Medical Center, a great place, and they set them all up. They were wonderful, and they mark, like, where they're going to cut on his head, and there's, a, I didn't put this picture in here, but there's a, there's a one picture I have where it just says yes right here, like, this is the side, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, uh, and my son was so cool throughout the whole thing. At one point, he said to me, hey, Dad, can, can I save the portion of my brain they take out? And I'm like, wow, we're like on totally different planes right now. He wants to bronze it, put it on a chain, and be like, yeah, it's my brain. You know, I, I just wasn't in that space at that time. Um, so they get them all prepped, and I'm with Lise, and we're going through everything, and, um, and they begin to wheel him down the hall. And so we're following behind, and I'm just taking pictures because I'm just like, man, I just don't want to forget what this moment is. And we get here. And it says, authorized personnel only beyond this point. And so I'm like, man, there's going to become a time when I, I can't be in control. I, I, we've stewarded, but I can't be in control. I can't do anything from here. I'm completely helpless. It's in the physician's hands. 
And so he, he goes, and God, dude was such a champ, and we just go, we had to leave there and go into the patio and just wait and wait and wait and wait. At least in, I think it was seven hours we were down there waiting, and we had great friends that would come and sit with us. And I wonder sometimes in my life if God has me steward stuff, and then he just puts up a sign that says, authorized personnel only. Like, just take care of what you need to take care of. I'll take care of the outcome. And we're still praising God that that was a great outcome. As the worship band comes up. I don't know if you resonate with this at all, of um, the need to be in control. It can happen with your kids. It can happen in your relationships. I have to get a boyfriend. I have to get a girlfriend. I have to get this or that. And so uh, we're going we're gonna to end on one song. And um, as you reflect on this, think, think about this. Like, God, is there a place in my life where I just need a physician to just take over? The great physician? I need you to just take over. Like, I'm not designed to control the future. I can only control my choices right now. I can only control what my next step is going to be. And can it just come by your deity of just saying, yeah, this is your next step, this is your next step, this is your next step. Stop. Authorized personnel only. We'll take it from here. I'll take it from here. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, um, we're just thankful for your goodness. We're thankful that um, you have the wisdom to help us see these white bird eggs. You, you, over time, give us the wisdom to go, no, no, that, you know that one's not, that's not yours to take care of. That one's gone. I'll take care of that. You just do this. Thank you that you are so faithful to us. Even when we're exhausted, we can't provide any more food for anything because we're just exhausted. You say, I'll divide everything up. I got it from here. Get some rest and then go back to stewarding because that's what you were designed for. So we thank you for that, Jesus. In your precious name, amen. So we have a tradition and, uh, that we do here in the sanctuary, and you can do it at home if you'd like, is that we stand for the blessing, and some people hold their hands out or whatever. But if you, it's just all up to your preference. Now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I pray you would go in his peace, in his comfort, and in his wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, and we'll see you next week.